Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. This is episode number 446 with Rihanna Milne, Healing from Toxic Relationships. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe that a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and love. And if you're looking to build your confidence and show up more authentically in your life, I wrote a book just for you. It's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with stories and tips and exercises to help you step more fully into your value. It's available on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And this week's tip from the book is step number nine, love is your birthright. That was a hard concept for me when I was coming out of divorce and going, well, love is my birthright. What do you mean? (laughs) So I realize now that we all deserve love. We're born into love. We may not feel love in our family of origin, but we all deserve to be loved. And so really own that. So my challenge to you this week is to look at all the places where you're not feeling loved and realize that you actually have love in your life, whether it's love of a pet, love of a child, find the places where love already exists and that will increase your vibration out into the world when you're seeking love. Before I bring Rihanna, on, I just want to remind people who don't yet know about my fabulous Facebook group, Your Last First Date. It is an incredible place to come to be supported to grow into your last first date. We are a a guided group that has monitors and guidelines that we really uphold. It's not a place to come and just be a victim and complain that is not allowed in our group. This is a place for growth. So if you're interested, come and join us at your last first date. And now for my guest, Rihanna Mellon. She is a celebrity coach, a global life, love, trauma, recovery, and mindset coach. She's been on CBS, NBC, ABC, Fox News. She was a prior advice columnist and an author for top media outlets like eHarmony and Digital Romance. She has done the research on a cutting edge topic that impacts nine out of 10 adults. And she has the answers as to why 90% of adults struggle in life, in love and or business. Welcome back to the show, Rihanna. Hi, Sandy. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here and talk to your listeners. Thank you. And Rihanna, uh, we will link to the show that uh, you were on before we, we talked about the 10 Uh, the 10 traumas that are experienced during childhood that impact most adults later in life. That was such an eye-opening episode we did together, how we think that certain things in our lives are not traumatic, like moving or being bullied or, you know, all of those things and how they definitely can impact us unless we do the healing work. So we will, we will, Definitely link to that because that's an important episode. But today we're going to talk about healing after trauma. So first, I would love to hear your own story and how you got into this field. What what inspired you to do this work? Well, even as a teen, I wanted to be a counselor. (laughs) So I was modeling a lot since the age of 12. And I was reading Teen Magazine and Psychology Today. I always liked to learn how people 
thought and why they did what they did. Um, I also had a great job working with celebrities as a teenager and wanted to know how they ticked and how did they reach fame. Um, so I was always interested in the, the, the person's journey. And I did lose a very dear friend of mine at 16 that led me on a spiritual journey as well which also led me to reading a lot of the masters like Tony Robbins, Deepak Chopra, the Dalai Lama, Marianne Williamson's study, The Course of Miracles. And then at 23, I lost a very dear friend um, who was murdered by her boyfriend. So then my attention turned to toxic relationships. And no matter what I tried to do to get Corinne to leave this guy, to everyone else, it was so apparent how toxic and abusive he was. Um, she kept going back and the research shows people return to toxic relationships like seven times. Um, and unfortunately I lost my good friend. Um, and then I married my college sweetheart, which is what we did back in the day as baby boomers. And, um, we didn't know to question, uh, deeper, uh, the qualities, the values we were taught you fall in love by chemistry. You know, if there's chemistry, you get married. That's about from our fairy tales, <laughs> Sleeping Beauty, kiss the charming prince and get married and live happily ever after. Um, and unfortunately he and his father um, devised a scheme to take $200,000 from my mother, which was never paid back. And being fourth out of five kids, my mom was upset with me. My siblings were upset with me. Um, I lost respect and trust for him. So I divorced when my girls were very young. I have two daughters who are amazing. But I said, I'm leaving with nothing but peace of mind, but that you can't put a price on. So I was very deliberate. Uh, thank God I did study the mindset for success. I opened up my model and talent agency with my first month's rent and a lot of prayers that I would make it so I could support my girls. And a year later, he goes after me for child support because the school and agency did quite well. Um, so, you know, being at the wrath of a sociopath and psychopath who, um, you know, rips you off uh, and trying to still keep the mindset strong to raise accomplished daughters um, and have your own business accomplished, it was quite a challenge. Um, but it worked, you know, and thank God I had faith in my mindset to get me through the tough times. So, you know, that was my first experience with a toxic partner. And then I did have another marriage um, to someone else who was sociopathic. We call this having a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality type, where to the public, he was very gregarious and outgoing and charming and funny. And we were beautiful dancers. We traveled the world together. We really had an amazing romantic life. And unbeknownst to me and everyone else, they had a whole secret life that his superintendent of his school uncovered. And it ruined not only his life, but my life, the marriage. And then I stood up as, as my own attorney and annulled that marriage. Um, and, you know, I didn't realize how rare an annulment was, but I figured no one else can tell my story and defend myself like I can. And uh, the family court judge said, Miss Milne, in 32 years of being a family court judge, I only granted one annulment. And he goes, and yours is the second. He goes, you know, so um, I had a very good case and that's all I wanted. I wanted out. And then I wanted to figure out why am I attracting toxic partners? Uh, what are the signs I need to be looking for? Uh, romance obviously doesn't work. 
you can have the most romantic, beautiful love life. And yet still there's these dark secrets. How do you find these, you know, and why was I targeted? Um, so these were the answers that I wanted. Um, I was a psychotherapist at the time. My seven psychotherapist friends could not help me. They didn't know what he had. Childhood trauma was not a term that we even learned in my triple masters in psychology, nor did they know of it. Um, and both of these husbands had severe childhood trauma. Once I was looking at the patterns, not only in them, but in all the people I worked with. And I've been a psychotherapist 21 years in private practice and worked with various populations. So the school system, I was a trauma counselor with kids kindergarten all the way up through college. I was um, in a hospital setting with kids ages five through 19. I was in a drug and alcohol rehab center because I'm LCADC, which is an addictions counselor, learning their stories. So the stories and the traumas kept repeating, repeating, repeating over and over. So that's when I created the top 10 list. There are more than 10 traumas, but how, how that their childhood traumas and what they were impacted their dynamics as adults even working with women from the prison system. So once I could put those pieces together with the research and the assessments that I use, it was quite easy for me to assess what was going on. And I thought it was such an important message that it, I made it my mission to get it out there to the world. And that's when I went from therapist to life coach so I could speak to the world and treat people globally and uh, help change the way the world loves. I love it. It's I love how you took your your trials and created a gift for others. Well, we call it take your pain and make it your passion and your purpose. And yeah. then you love your work, right? Yeah, so, it's true. It's yeah. true. Make your mess your message, take your pain and passion, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking as you were talking about people who, so when I start working with a client, I always ask them about their childhood. And so many people think they, they grew up with incredible loving families and they have no idea, why did I attract a narcissist? Why did I end up in this relationship? But when you start to get underneath, you start to see the common threads. Uh, somebody I just talked to recently um, had, a, had a mother who was sick and that's one of the, the traumas, right? Growing mm -hmm. up in a family where there's illness and you're, so she was told to be quiet, to suppress who she was. And so she was used to diminishing herself. That's so she a attracted form a guy. Of, yeah, no fault abandonment. The mother yeah. needed to put all her strength and her, her emotions into healing. And right. that daughter, you know, had to do her best to be the good little child, you know, mm -hmm. to help mom. You know, yeah. again, as children, we're so innocent. We just deal what's given to us in the best yeah. way that we know how. And then exactly. sometimes those coping mechanisms, she might've learned to be a people pleaser that stays mm -hmm. with you the rest of your life. And then it just is not working to create that emotionally healthy relationship. Yeah. And, and no therapist had connected the dots for her until she started to work with me. Yeah. That people pleaser man. Ugh. And then you're showing up inauthentically in your life. You're not really yourself. And so you're gonna attract somebody who's totally not right for you. Um, so let's talk about toxic relationships because the topic today is to how to heal from them. And so many people are in that process. What is your definition of toxic relationships? 
Well, it's, it's quite well defined in my number one bestseller, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve. It's 400 pages and it goes very deep. But a fast definition is anything that makes you feel sick emotionally or physically. So you might have irritable bowel syndrome, stomach aches, headaches, you can't sleep. You're always high anxiety, underlying anxiety, bouts of depression, um, fear-based negative thoughts, always walking on eggshells. Um, you live for the beginning, which was the good times. And you, if you are a spiritual, kind woman, you usually tend to want to forgive and keep the family together, but never knowing when the next outburst may happen. It's a very difficult, sad way to live over time. And by the time I see my women that I help, they're exhausted, burn out, tried everything, break up, go back, break up, go back. Um, mo many emotionally abused, some physically abused. Um, so I think most people understand that definition of toxic and it's really uh, equated to how you feel, right? Emotionally and physically. And when the Kaiser Permanente group out of San Diego did their group on how childhood traumas unhealed impact you as an adult, they only looked at the health physical aspects but they were finding the unhealed trauma led to early disease, earlier death, fibromyalgia, IBS, migraines, everything I'm talking about. These are the things that, you know, tend to occur. And people from uh, childhood trauma tend to track those from childhood traumas, unless you've already healed this. So you might have endured this uh, as a child. Now you're enduring it as well as an adult. And this is like an example of your cortisol is always up, which is your fight or flight response. And that constant stress and the trauma in the brain and the body cells does not go away until you take definite steps to rid this out of your, your brain body and your awareness, your conscious awareness. Yeah, it's, it takes such a huge toll and people don't realize that they can heal that. I remember dating somebody a long time ago who was definitely a narcissist. And he told me about his childhood and he described how his mother would lock him into his bedroom when he was three years old mm -hmm. because he was very wild and he would jump out of the window and like go naked in the streets. I mean, it was just this, and it, and it, and it was so clear to me that he had so much trauma from his childhood. Yeah. He was a, he was also a psychiatrist. He was, you know, he had he had all the training, but he he was still very stuck. Huh. And um, yeah. early on in our dating, and I didn't date him for very long because I saw right away who he was. But I asked him, um, "What's something about you I wouldn't know just by looking at you?" And he said, "I'm not as confident as I look." Mm -hmm. which was so clear to me. It yeah. was just like, I know that. I Narcissists, got that sociopaths, psychopaths mm -hmm. all have very low uh, self-esteem, yeah. self-image. Um, but, you know, touching on that point, your listeners might want to know, well, why am I attracting toxic people, right? I mm -hmm. think that's a big question a lot of people have. It's really what they target. You know, they target good-hearted people that are forgiving. They target caretakers, so nurses, counselors, 
uh, teachers, anyone that nurtures and take care of others. They also may look for people who were used to high drama when they were growing up. So they'll sense that you've come from that traumatic home in a way they're giving you that love that you really crave that you may not have gotten. Um, when you have a family, women really don't want to break up their families. They'll do anything first to try to keep the family together. And that's where I was. But, you know, when you do have good self-esteem, after a while, you lose trust, you lose respect. It's like, I'm out of here. I'll do better on my own, even though I had nothing and $200,000 in debt. It's like, I'm going to figure this out, you know, and it took me 16 years to pay my mom back, but it was the right thing to do. Mm. Um, and if you give them the slightest bit of hope when you break up, they will just manipulate their way back in. So you have to be very strong um, and very adamant that you uh, do deserve emotionally healthy love and have the skills and the confidence and the self-esteem to move forward. Uh, very important. Yeah, those boundaries, and this comes up a lot in my Facebook group where somebody sets a boundary and says, I'm not interested in dating you anymore. Uh, I don't feel a romantic connection. And the person keeps sending messages and kisses and hugs and, mm. and that's a boundary. That's picture. a huge red that's flag. <laughs> a huge yes. red flag. And yes. it's like, and then the woman, because she's one of these kind-hearted caretaking women, she feels bad and then she wants to be his friend and she doesn't set that clear boundary with him. Yeah. And this is, you know, I talk about this all the time in the group, like you have to be so clear and a person who is pushing your boundaries, he's making his needs more important than yours. He is ignoring what you said. It's also testing he is manipulating. you how much will you take. Yeah. Yes. How much do I have yeah. to do to get myself back in there? This is a very typical pattern of the successful woman that fell in love with someone less successful who's cute or a charmer. Um, so she might've been attracted to his appearance, but he is trying to get back in. And the psychopath, sociopath uses people for pleasure, profit and lifestyle. So if your lifestyle was the better one and he keeps trying to get back in there, they're almost desperate and will try to do anything to work on your emotions. So you have to be really clear and you know, block their number, change the locks on the door, everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, people get stalked. I had a, had a client who was stalked by a guy that she fell for and she has a pattern and she was afraid to go to the police because the police hadn't done anything in the past when she had other issues. And so one of the things that helped her, and this is a tip that, that people may be able to use is he was he lived nearby and she got one of those uh, ring yes um, everyone should have one and every things. woman should have one. yeah yes mm -hmm. so because he was just showing up at her door and leaving presents and knocking and then yeah that's he real was spying on her oh, dear. oh my god huge red and that the ring really helped her uh, i think that he was like shocked that you know that she had that so yeah um so let's talk about, you've mentioned narcissists, sociopaths, psychopaths. So let's, let's define them and talk about the difference between them. Okay. Well, I want to get into the top personality types that are toxic that can break your heart. I mentioned 20 of them in the book, but I'm going to tell you briefly the top eight because they all fit in one of these three categories. Okay. So under antisocial personality disorders, we have the sociopath the psychopath, and basically they're con artists. 
Okay. The emotional manipulator is the narcissist, uh, the borderline and bipolar personality types. And for women, we call that histrionic. In other words, like the drama queen. Okay. Um, then the habitual liar, the cheater and the abuser. So there's emotional abuse, physical abuse, verbal, sexual, financial. There's all kinds of abuses that occur, but all of these usually fall under one of the three or all three. So um, let's go into the Dr. Hare's checklist of what psychopathy and sociopathy is. And it's interesting in a lot of my research, I say it's the same thing. So I'm going to tell you what traits they share and then what traits they don't share to delineate the difference. So in general, under Dr. Hare's chart of psychopathy, there's two factors. Factor one is interpersonal relationship or affective uh, emotions, how you regulate your emotions. And the second one is social deviance or how you interact socially. So facet one is interpersonal. This is where you're gonna see grandiosity, uh, that braggart, pathological lying, very cunning and manipulative, charming very, very charming. Uh, they tend to know how to dress, to appear, to attract that woman, okay? Facet two is that affect disorder. So lack of remorse or guilt. These people will never apologize. They're always blaming someone else. Very shallow emotions. They just don't seem to care because they really don't. They're missing that connection of empathy. Um, they fail to accept the responsibilities for their actions. So like I said, they'll just say, get over it. Or they'll give you the silent treatment for two days and the third day act like absolutely nothing happened, but they'll never apologize. Um, factor three, lifestyle, high need for stimulation. You're, they're very prone to being bored in life. So if everything seems peaceful and going well with you, this exactly might be the time that they're going to act out and look for a fling just to give them some excitement in life. Uh, they're very parasitic lifestyle like mine going after you for money or status or power or to hang around models and actors, right? So, you know, they're, they're looking to hang out and attach to your lifestyle. They have a lack of realistic long-term goals. These people might have job of the year and every time they're getting into something else, they'll try to convince you, oh, this one's really gonna pay off. I just need $5,000 from you and you'll see, I'm gonna make this a success. And time after time, they fail. Uh, impulsive. These are the kind of guys that will go out and buy the sports car, even though you might be a family with debts. Well, we deserve it. We should have it. But he didn't even communicate with you. He just got what he wanted. That impulsivity is one of the top things that ruins relationships, marriages. Um, irresponsibility, again, under lifestyle. And the fourth facet is antisocial. So poor behavior controls early behavioral problems. They could be in the bullied, uh, they're bullying kids. They could have a juvenile delinquency record, uh, petty theft, shoplifting, um, hurting small animals, setting fires. Um, and those are just some of the description of psychopathy. Now, on another chart, Let's go into the differences between sociopathy and psychopathy. Very often when I'm interviewed, I'll say, 
the sociopath uses people for pleasure, profit, or lifestyle, right? And the sociopath is the, the psychopath is a sociopath and narcissist who kills. So that is a, like a, a summary statement. The psychopath does not always kill, but if they do kill, they are the psychopath. But the difference between the two of them is the criminal mind. So this would be like that corporate guy that embezzles all this money, Bernie Madoff, for example. You would never think it. You would never see it. People were shocked when it happened. That's the cunning mind, planning, deception over time, over and over and over again. That's the cunning mind and the planning of what a psychopath does. So um, the criminal thinking, the acting, the planning, no concern about consequences, very risk, risky, living the high life uh, after they rip people off, very manipulative. But as soon as we get into manipulative now, that's again, sociopathic. Um, the psychopath shows no guilt, uh, no remorse towards friends and family. And they also really can hold it together emotionally and physically. Like they can't, they're great actors. They don't let on to what they're doing. Okay. The sociopath has all the other traits, easy, agitated, irritable. The sociopath has that. The psychopath does not. Uh, the sociopath has uh, the lack of stability in job and home life, and they're likely to act out. And people can see that where the psychopath has it all together. Calm, cool, collected, conniving. Um, both of them lack empathy. They're both narcissists. They both have the superficial charm. They're dishonest. They're expert liars and they manipulate. So do you see the differences? I mean, the sociopath is still going to give you a lot of harm, but they may be sloppy and they're acting out that you see it but they'll continue still with their plans usually. They may apologize just to lure you back in, but the psychopath is more cunning over time and has more the criminal mind. Yeah. So yeah. I hope that kind of yeah. gives you the difference. Um, so the narcissist. Let's go deeper go into, into the, the narcissist. Yeah. And there is a very wide range. So when people come to me and says, oh, my boyfriend was a narcissist. It's just tends to be the hot popular term of the day. I don't know why, um, but really we don't diagnose a narcissist. Instead, we look at the underlying conditions. And I know specializing in childhood trauma that all three of these personalities types come from high childhood traumas and if there's 10 of them, they usually have eight, nine, or 10 and high severity levels. And I look at all the levels ranging from one being very slight to 10 being extremely intense. And usually the psychopath has nine to 10 and 10, you know, as severity levels, like getting beat every day by the alcoholic father who screams at them. They grow up in poverty. Like you're looking at all the traumas blanketed into a horrific childhood. Okay, so they usually have very high childhood trauma. But the narcissist has a huge range from the friendly, kind, good-hearted narcissist to the malignant narcissist. And that's the one that's very toxic. That range is at one 
the good do-gooder, to 10, the toxic person. And the number 10 malignant narcissist is the sociopath psychopath, okay? So let's go into the types. There's 10 types of narcissism that I'm going to describe to you. There is subtype one. So we'll go into that category first. Overt means they use methods that are obvious and open for everyone to see, uh, like our past president. <laughs> it was really obvious, his narcissistic so statements, obvious. you know, everything that he was blaming everyone else for. It just kind of left the public saying, what? Like, in shock, the statements uh, that were made. So it was very obvious and open and um People are just stunned usually when they see the behavior or hear the comments. Covert is more secretive methods, more cunning, okay? So it's one or the other. Then there's communal. Those are the people that do good for their community because it makes them feel good, but they do like the validation from others. See, I raised all this money for the Heart Association, whatever, you know, or they're so wrapped up in their charities, but it makes them feel good. But they're not hurting anyone and they do have empathy towards others. Um, they're just kind of self-absorbed into their thing of helping the world. And really, is that such a bad thing? Not necessarily, right? So when you just say my, my boyfriend's a narcissist, well, that's not enough of a definition, you see. Okay, then the malignant narcissist is that highly manipulative, exploits others for that pleasure, profit, or lifestyle advancement. Then you have classic, which is high functioning. Uh, there are usually grandiose. There's the ones that, you know, or the, the charmers with that sports car and everything has to be just so and perfect. Even their partners, they can be very difficult on their partners, wanting them to be that perfect beauty woman. Um, and then there's vulnerable, which is the closet narcissist. And they're more introverted. They don't like to be the center of attention, but at home, they still want the life to revolve around them. They're very, they're not very social, but they want to be the king of their castle and everything revolves around them, their decision, their choices. It's all about them. Okay. Now we'll go into subtype two. Um, and this is primarily about how they value themselves. So there's two choices under here, somatic, and that's someone, somatic means of the body. So they're very well obsessed with their bodies. They want youth, the external appearances or everything. They have to look meticulous. Again, this is the one that's very demanding on their partner uh, for everything, external appearances to be perfect. Like we're the perfect family and behind closed doors, it's a war zone, right? So they're trying to put this image out there to the world. Cerebral is the know-it-all. They use their, their intelligence, their mind over others. They try to impress others with their accomplishments or powerful positions. They try to influence others with words or threats um, or feelings of power. Okay, so that's using the mind. And then subtype three is either sadistic, which is the psychopath, sociopath, that cunning. Um, and that's the sadistic type where they take pleasure in hurting people. And they always want and like and crave control. That is the worst of the narcissists, again, up towards that level eight, nine, 10. And then there's inverted where they are the victim mindset. It's just the opposite. 
They all suffer from childhood trauma, but the one that is the victim, they may be always sick and always looking for their families to feel sorry for them. And woe is me, and don't you feel sorry for me, always looking for that pity. But they probably learned as children, this is the only way I get love and attention is if I'm sick all the time, right? So that can be the hypochondriac, but that's inverted with that more victim mentality. So those are the different types and ranges of a narcissist. So that's why it's really important not to just say that blanket statement. And we have to look closer um, to what type of narcissist, what range from one to 10, is it sadistic? Is it internal? Is it that fear-based negative mindset or is it a cunning mindset? Um, and that's why I usually say to my people, no, nah, you probably had a sociopath or a psychopath with what you went through, <laughs> you know? So um, it's really important that you understand the differences and not just put that blanket definition and try and diagnose people out there when you really you know, don't know the, the heavy intricacies of the psychology behind it all. Yeah, wow, that's, that's quite a lot of explanation there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I remember when I started as a dating coach that that word was thrown around a lot. I used it too. And then I realized, you know, it's, it, we don't know. And a lot of people feel like they're a victim of one of these personality types. And that's what you can do something about is if you are a victim, if you have fallen, if you have a pattern, so let's talk about healing from trauma, from getting out of a toxic relationship. How do, how do people get out and heal? Yeah, it's really important if you're recognizing any form of abuse to take action. You're, it's very rare that that narcissist sociopath will come to counseling <laughs> or therapy, <laughs> right? They don't want to. They don't want to be called on their BS. Um, so it's very important that you start, if you're in a marriage relationship with children, you're trying to change the dynamic. If you change nothing, nothing changes. So I have treated one person of a coupled relationship. It sure is a lot harder, but also I've seen those couples come in where now I'm their seventh therapist and the wife says, well, he doesn't like any of them. And I smile and I said, well, no, of course not. You know, because right away I know that he doesn't want to be there. And she's just placating, trying another therapist because something's always wrong with all of them, in his opinion, right? Again, it's all about him. So it's important that you start with coaching to get your healing. Um, if you're thinking of leaving the relationship, you definitely want to get coaching individually. So you're strong enough. You have a plan for safety to get out. These people can be very violent. Um, and so just don't do that yourself or try to break up without somebody in your house or police protection, like you really need a plan, you need the confidence to do something like that. So the first thing is recognizing because you can't change what you don't understand. So get into coaching with a certified clinical trauma professional, let's heal your trauma first. Let's see what is the underlying reason why you're attracting this into your life. Very often you might've had that authoritative father or that critical demanding mother, but we have to figure that out. You know, what traumas did you have to deal with as a child? And then why are you attracting this into your life? 
And very often those that have had abandonment issues, which is trauma number five, fault or no fault abandonment, you could be more codependent or more love addicted. So these are the people that have that sense of abandonment. They break up because consciously they're like, this is not a good relationship for me to be in. But then soon unconsciously, they crave that love that they didn't get as a child. And they think, well, some love is better than none. I think he says he's sorry. We're going to work it out. Things will change. And the sweet spot is usually 10 days to two weeks where there's peace. And then the anger starts again or another criticism or another piece of acting out. So this is what we call the cycle of abuse or the cycle of trauma. So if you're recognizing that you're in this cycle, you've got to change in a big way. And that's when you get your self-help, no matter what they say, you start super important. Um, then, you know, what I do with my clients, again, depending if there are a couple coming in, I have to look at the traumas of partner A and partner B. And I do work with both straight and LGBT couples. Um, and then we look at the relationship and how these things are playing out in the relationship. Some of those dynamics could be jealousy and control. Those usually come from trauma number seven, which is being bullied as a kid, didn't fit in, didn't feel good enough, maybe trying to come out as LGBTQ, not accepted, maybe something as simple, you know, you're an African-American teenage girl in an all-white school, so you didn't feel accepted for your race or your culture. It could be many different things around trauma number seven. Trauma number two is verbal abuse or verbal slights or messages that you just don't look good enough. You're not trying hard enough. You rarely hear compliments or the words, I love you. So those together um, is a big trigger for people not having good self-esteem or confidence when they're adults. Um, so we have to deal with that piece and get your sense of self back even better. And we look at the life that you desire. What do you desire? And we start, then I teach the mindset for success to start those goals coming into play. And that's 50%. And then the other 50% is learning for a couple, the communication rules, understanding each other's traumas, looking at them differently, not taking them so personally, learning to apologize if you lash out, understanding why, where's the trigger coming from. So we're taking all this unconscious acting out and sabotaging behavior and making it fully conscious awareness, words, deeds, um, actions, texting, you know, thinking before you're doing. Um, there's a spiritual component to it as well. Uh, the question we always ask, is this for the good of all? If in doubt, go without doing it. You know, so I teach little poems and things that people can help remember, you know, for all these transformational tools that I teach. And then for singles, they have to learn the skills to attract an emotionally healthy, conscious partner. And there's all kinds of do's and don'ts to do on your, your first and second dates. It becomes very clear if this person you should continue date or not. Too many people date by chemistry, then they get intimately involved and they think, well, if I'm sexual, he'll be my boyfriend. No, he'll just have sex with you and then leave. So, you know, you don't put 
sex or manipulation out there to have someone. It's not a place of desperation. We come from a place of, I choose who I want to be with. And I know exactly why I'm choosing this person, right? So these dating skills will empower you. Um, they educate you. My God, we should have gotten these in high school. I should have gotten them in my triple masters in psychology. They don't teach this stuff. So this is all from deeper research that I did to help my clients to succeed in attracting good love or to fix a very damaged, toxic marriage. And again, um, if your partner is refusing to come, very often they'll come in halfway through when they see your self-esteem's out the roof and you're happy in life and they finally think, oh my God, she might leave me. And that's when I get the phone call. Hey, it's Mark. Can I come in? Hey, Mark, how are you? Of course, you were always invited in. Then I work <laughs> with them. Um, and that does happen quite often. Uh, but if it doesn't, she is usually so empowered and so happy. She just says, I don't want this toxic guy in my life. And that's when they move on and find someone who's amazing. So yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, that's how my treatment so clear. Ha happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, when I finally left my marriage, I, I just, I had no anger left. I was just, I'm done. I can't yeah. do this anymore. And he was like, whoa, she means business. And it, the amazing thing that happened was, well, yeah, he started to change. And right. he actually took, he studied empathy and how to have better communication skills. And I kept saying to him, I'm so glad you're doing this work. Don't do it for me, do it for you, because I'm out, we're not, we're, it's too late yeah. for us. And he now teaches empathy. He, he's like, <laughs> um, so it's, it's fascinating, but I so remember, late, right? yeah, yeah, but look, you know, it, hel it helped as we were divorcing, it helped our process, it helped our Good. kids. And that's the most important thing. It is important. Uh, and, you know, and I certainly didn't leave him in order for him to change. That was on him. And, and I'm glad he did. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about some signs of what emotionally healthy looks like before we close, because okay. I, I, you know, I'm reading a book now called how to not die alone. It just came out. It's by Logan Yuri. And she talks about the difference between looking for a prom date, which is what most of us look for and looking okay. for a partner. A prom date is that good looking, fun for a night kind of person. Right. Those qualities that make for a healthy, evolved, consciously aware relationship are so different. So tell us what to exactly. look for. Exactly. Well, that's section four of my book. So there's a lot of details in there. But um, if you're a couple in general, I say it's you two against the world right? We teach balanced triangles, You partner A, partner B, and the relationship. They have to be equal. If partner B is very obsessed about themselves and are out with their golf buddies and at work and at the gym and barely gives any time to this relationship, then the woman or partner A will not be happy, right? Um, so it has to be very balanced and you really have to pay attention to the relationship. So many couples put their kids first, running the kids all around, the kids turn 18 and somebody leaves the marriage because the marriage was ignored all those years. So you have to part your partner first. If you two are happy in the relationship, your family survives. If they're not, the family breaks up. So you and me against the world is number one. Um, 
you have to have enough in common and the same vision for your future together. So if you're out there dating and you love the beach, like I do, I definitely don't want someone that wants to be skiing most of the winter. I could care less if I see another snowflake, you know, growing up in <laughs> Philly and being in Jersey as long as I was. <clears throat> so the lifestyle has to match. If they're not world travelers and I am, we're not going to be happy. So, you know, do you have enough in common to really have a fun relationship where you're enjoying a lot of activities together? Uh, you have to look at the qualities of the person. Are they honest? Are they hardworking? Are they financially stable? I say to my singles, if you want some, you know, to someone who's financially stable, are you? In other words, be what you want to attract. So if you want someone with their life together, your life needs to be together before you go out there to date. You don't want to be rescued. You don't want somebody to, you know, uh, solve all your problems and you don't want to take on someone that has problems. If you're a female that has a good career and a great relationship with your kids and a very blessed life and you've worked very hard to keep your life in balance, then that's what you're looking for. You never settle for less. Um, so be what you want to attract. If you're dating, it does sound shallow, but the five second rule for attraction is very real. So look good, you know, dress nice, do your hair, do your makeup. Why does this sound so shallow? And is it important? Because caveman brain, the number one thing that feels most important to a man is chemistry. You'll see it in all these online profiles, must have chemistry, blah, blah, blah. You know, what do women want? Women want safety. Okay, so why are these needs so different? Why? Because man was made to procreate the race. Old brain, reptilian brain is geared towards chemistry and attraction. They can't help it. Women are geared towards safety and security. We can't help it because we're the child bearers. So both sexes have to understand what's most important. When I have a couple in here and he's yelling and screaming at his wife and says, all right, well, let's just make up and have sex. And she's, well, I'm not feeling it. He doesn't get it. I said, she doesn't feel safe with you, period. So, you know, we have to, they have to understand the biology, the science behind how relationships work. So ladies, when you're out there dating, know that this is important to a man, whether we like it or not. Um, don't take your issues out on your dates. Don't talk about anything negative. Don't go on and on about your ex. It's not important. You can't change the past. It's done. Stay in the present and know where your future is and where it's going. Have your goals, have your dreams, know who you are, what you want, know all the qualities, of the emotionally healthy relationship and go from there. I love it. So much of uh, just, you know, if you follow this and um, I love the triangle, that's such a great. I have like nine balanced triangles and like mind, body, spirit is another one for the individual. Very important. You pay attention to all three to feel holistic and good energy about your life. One other fact, Sandy, that they might want to hear. It's like one of the number one reasons relationships work, believe it or not, is they both share a faith together. And spirituality, not religion. So the mm -hmm. concepts between behind spirituality, which is 24-7, it's who you are, that you always consider is this for the good of all. You always have your partner in mind before you make a choice. You're living in honesty and integrity, meaning doing the right things when nobody's looking. So understand what a faith-based life is 
and look for someone that also feels that that's important to their life. That's the number one quality that keeps relationships happy over time. Yeah. And I like that you divided it out of religion because one of the things I talk about is that my marriage, one of the things I thought we had in common was religious beliefs and we never were the same. We had on paper very similar beliefs, but we saw our worldview was so Mm. completely different from the beginning. And I didn't really respect his way of approaching religion because I'm much more of a balance of head and heart and rational and spiritual and I'm not very religious right now but I knew that I wanted to raise my kids with a certain amount of the values in the religion and his was just so completely different so Mm. you have to look at your worldview how do you see you know, it's not just on paper. We all, we both go to church. We both go to synagogue. That doesn't and matter. And that's not it. <laughs> it Going to a building it. because you're supposed to once a week for an hour is yeah. not spirituality right. at all. Right. And then you turn around and, and do all terrible things and cheat yeah. on your taxes. And right. So, so you really have to look beyond all of those superficial things that we yes. think we understand. Uh, this is such an important conversation, Rihanna. Thank you so much for being with me Thank again today. Me. Yeah. Um, do you share with us how people can find you? And um, Yeah. Plus, I have free yeah. gifts, everyone. I come bearing gifts awesome. always. <laughs> well, I have on my uh, YouTube channel under Rihanna Milne, like 230 videos and audios that are free. So, help yourselves, make sure you hear Sandy's and my other show. It will really help you put the pieces together around childhood trauma. If you want the free ebook on childhood trauma, that's at my website, rihannamilne.com. It's in the homepage. You can go to the books section and get book chapter downloads for love and live beyond your dreams, live beyond your dreams about the mindset for success and love is where all this content came from today. Um, It's like the first 60 pages of each book. And then there's the four free love tests for singles and couples. So take that to define if you're in a toxic relationship, uh, they'll be very insightful to you. So my podcast is called Lessons in Life and Love. I have 106 shows. So you'll find that uh, all over the place and uh, enjoy. Use all those free resources, please. And I just want to encourage you all. It's time. I mean, if we learned anything during COVID, it's time now to live that life you really desire and to have that love that you deserve. Don't settle. I love it. Don't settle. I, I just, wow, if people could just keep that in mind because I see so many people get into relationships that are wrong from the beginning and mm-hmm. try to make them right. And right. that doesn't work. So pay attention to these signs and really just know who you are, know what you want. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much, Rihanna, for coming on again. And and thanks everybody for listening. And if you love our show, please rate and review us. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon. 